to Coop with McCarthy in support on the inside. He takes the reverse pass and dashes 20 yards to touchdown between the posts. Welcome to another edition of Rabbitohs Radio. My name is Grant Chappell. I'm joined by my loyal co-host and friend, Darren Brownie Brown. What's doing, Brownie? No, not much, chaps. How you been, mate? And g'day to all the listeners out there. Yeah, I've been pretty good, mate. I've been, uh, been looking after myself a little bit lately, Brownie. Been a bit of training and ice baths and saunas down there at Blast Pit there at Little Bay, mate. How's it Fantastic. going? Fantastic. Yeah, I'm enjoying it, mate. Certainly got a lot more energy than... Sitting there drinking beer every afternoon, I've got to say that, mate. But um, look, the team's back. A lot of the big first-grade boys are back at uh, Redfern. They're going to train at Redfern for the rest of the year. And it uh, looks like they're in meetings day one yesterday. All the big boys, Jai Arrow, Cody Walker, Latrell Mitchell and the likes, mate. And uh, big off-season to come for this team. There's a lot of soul-searching after the back end of the year. Well, there certainly is. And a couple of new additions as well, chaps, in Sean Kepi and Jack Whiten. Uh, be excited to see how they go. Throughout the off season, and especially in the first Charity Shield game, yeah, there's still a few to come back. I believe the uh, they've given a bit of leeway to the team that won the comp, the reserve Reggie's boys, coming then reserve grade boys, then Hawkins and the likes. But they won't be too far away. They'll be they'll be filling back in. I've seen uh, Tyrone Munro's back back in the house, mate. And uh, Jeez, he's looking big, isn't he? He's a big unit, mate. Yeah. Can't wait to see him on the end of a couple of Caddy Walker double cutouts. Um, and I, sp- I suppose the year. boys who played in the Pacific Championships, the likes of Cam Murray, Keon. So Liver Havili, uh, Dion, they'll probably get a couple extra weeks themselves. Yeah, I think um, Junior's over in Fiji, so they won't be too far away, mate. Um, we've got a special guest on the show today, Brownie. Yeah, mate, we certainly have. Uh, a player that played at a couple of clubs, uh, similar clubs to myself. and But Rabbitoh number 713 is on the line, Neil Baker. Welcome to the Rabbitohs Radio Podcast. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be a part of this show today. No worries, mate. We're going to go right through your career and um, see what sort of bloke Neil Baker is, mate, because I grew up watching you, mate, and you're, you're a, a real fan favourite, mate. You, you had the uh, the Hollywood looks there too, mate. You're a bit of a, bit of a star, mate. <laughs> I don't know about that. don't know <laughs> about that, mate, but anyway. Um, mate, yeah, so... I myself a little bit, mate. Yeah, mate, you always look like you're in good nick, mate. Um, so tell us about um, where you grew up, mate, and born and raised. So I was born and raised in Newcastle. I actually was uh, born in... Hamilton in Newcastle and moved to Merriweather in um, as a young kid about when I was about 10 or 11 my mother and father um, parted and uh, mum married um, Les Johns's uncle Neville Johns so um, I sort of moved over to Merriweather and became part of that uh, club for a long time till I got myself down to uh, the level of of, of the Sydney um, competition. Not a bad place to live Merriweather mate some great surfers have come out of there too mate. Yeah, yeah, Mark Richards and the likes of that. It's uh, I'm not too far away from where those guys live. Mark's a pretty uh, genuine sort of guy. He's pretty, um, you know, down-to-earth sort of character. Always says hello to everyone. So, yeah, no, it's a good town, mate. Bakes, do you do a bit of surfing yourself? No, Brownie, you wouldn't believe that, mate. I grew up on the beach, as I said, mate. I'd never surfed. I'd probably rode a board twice, maybe. I concentrated more on uh, cricket and and, uh rugby league, mate, more than surfing, so uh, I was just just couldn't get into it. I love the beach, but I just couldn't get into surfing. Yeah, I'm quite similar, mate. I, I wish I always had the opportunity to take up surfing, like yourself. I was raised, uh, you know, on the beaches, but, um, yeah, never really took it up. Obviously, rugby league takes up a lot of your time, and like you said, cricket. But, um, mate, you just mentioned your mum. Tell us a little bit about your family, if you've got brothers and sisters and so forth. Mate, I'm an only child, but um, I grew up in a very uh, good sporting family. My dad was a, a very good cricketer. He played actually played one game for New South Wales, got 138 not out, and never got another game. So, really, it's, wow, uh, yeah, yeah, unbelievable. He's got his name on the uh, score on that uh, board in the Sydney Cricket Ground where all the cricketers are that made 100. Raised the bat, yeah, never so got he, another chance. 
No, mate, he's, his name was Charlie. He was a mate, fantastic cricketer. He was probably one of the best cricketers that come out of um, northern New South Wales. Always played against the touring sides um, in, in Newcastle when they used to come out here. In northern New South Wales, they used to play the Pommies and the West Indies and India and all that. Good story with one of the games he played against, um, Jeff Boycott uh, was playing for England and my dad batted nearly for a day and a bit and they declared Newcastle or Northern New South Wales declared and um, dad went into the first slip just before close of play yeah. and first second ball of the day he dropped uh, Jeff Boycott who went down to score about 200 that time. <laughs> Oh, yeah, he went from a hero to villain very quickly. Yeah. Oh, he's a great, great sledger too, Jeff Boycott. I bet he copped it after that too. Oh, I bet he did too, mate. Yeah, but yes, yeah, mate. So I grew up um, in a sporting family. So as I said, I was an only child, but um, my my dad was a very good sportsman. He played a lot of cricket and also played a bit of rugby league, mate. Yeah. What about um, schooling, mate? What sort of schools did you go to up there, bud? So school, I uh, I went to Hamilton Primary School as a young bloke, and then I sort of moved over to Broadmeadow. Mate, I didn't really get into school. I was, again, I was all very focused on sport. That's where I thought my goal was going to be. Um, so I just, I went through the normal channels of schooling, went through, like, went through to um, sixth year like everyone does, but I just, I couldn't get into school, mate. I, I was fortunate enough to have football as a as a secondary to know that I was going to have something in front of me if I, I really achieved to do it. So that's mm. what I was about. And mate, rugby league teams up that way? Like, who did you play for, junior league teams? Yeah, so as, a, as I said, as a kid when I was in Hamilton, I played for Central up until I was about, I think it was about 11 or 12, and then I moved across to um, South Newcastle, uh, played all my juniors up until I was 19 with um, South Newcastle before I went into grade. Well, well, what very about good, very the, good club. What about the junior reps? Did they have the Harold Mats and obviously the SG Borg? And the, the jersey flag coming through. Not then? back, not back then, Brownie. In our town, because obviously we didn't have a team in the comp, but we had Newcastle, obviously uh, country versus Newcastle versus Coalfields, they used to call it, and then they'd pick a country uh, like a Newcastle side to play against all the uh, country towns, like you know. Yeah. So yeah, I was lucky enough to get picked in those sides, you know, every year. So you know, and sort of when you get into those sort of positions, you sort of know that you're going to be looked at by someone eventually. If you're going okay, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, 100%. Mate, what, what about uh, growing up? Uh, obviously, you're an idol to many kids who wanted to play the game. Did you have a, an idol that you aspired to be like? Absolutely, mate. I had two of them. And one was uh, Lord Ted. Mate, I used to love watching Lord Ted play. Mm. He was a he was a champion. And, mate, funny enough, I was a I was a very, very big fan of Rod Rod Reddy. Um, I thought he was a very skillful forward, and I just loved watching him play. And he was a, he was one of those blokes that put a bit of niggle into the game and he upset plenty of people. But he, he did play the he? game, yeah. And but you know, so you, you can obviously hear that I was when, as a kid growing up, I was a bit of a dragon supporter. Dragons, yeah, so, had a great yeah, era, didn't so, they? Yeah. yeah, they had a great team. But um, yeah, the competition back those days was just just amazing to watch as a kid. I couldn't wait to get home from school, you know, get home from the weekend and watch the, the games on the ABC back in those games. You didn't get the get what you got now, but you you couldn't wait to w- watch the, the match of the round with Rex Mossop on Channel 7 and those sort of things. And, yeah, you just grew up being a nut football tragic. Oh, 100%. Oh, nut football tragic still to this day, mate. But um, <laughs> you mentioned two blokes there, Lord Ted and Rocket Rod Reddy. You and both of their kids played for South at some stage in the 2000s, so there you go, mate. There There's a bit go. of a connection yeah, to the mate. Bunnies there. I always bring it back to the Bunnies, mate. But um, look, you, you yeah. played with the Canterbury Bulldogs from 81 to 83. Um, how did that come about, mate? Who, who come up and grabbed you? So two, two gentlemen in Newcastle, one by the name of Bruce O'Sullivan and another guy by the name of Neil Statham, um, come and grabbed hold of me one day, just said, are you interested in going to Sydney? We've we got dealers out for you all the time. They're, these are these are two businessmen in Newcastle, by the way. One was a solicitor and one was just a, a local businessman. He's um, passed away now, or well, both of them have. They took an interest in me and um, they actually said, you know, you're, you're mad if you don't take the opportunity to go down to a club. Which one would you like to go to? And obviously back when I just said my mum remarried and she married uh, Les Johns's um, mm. uncle. Mm. So... Canterbury was always a club that sort of I favoured um, to go to, but sort of looking at it in the in in the big picture, I sort of wish I didn't. And I know I'm not being silly about the club. I love the club, mm. but I wish I would have went somewhere different because I I just didn't get the opportunity that I got when I went 
obviously across to South Sydney. Yeah, for the three years that you were there, Bakes, you only played 25 games, um, but obviously you made your debut there. Can you remember that day? I certainly do. Um, you know, like, I think we got beat that day, but, you know, when you make your debut, it's always pretty exciting to get picked. And, um, you know, I was I was lucky enough to get picked in the, in the position I went down there to play, but I end up, uh, I think I end up going on at 5'8", but I end up at fullback, I think, as well. So that's... Um, Fullback and five eight back in the day and even these days is pretty similar to be honest. So, yeah, yeah I, I sort of remember the I, I sort of remember the the day, but it's a long time ago, Brownie. But I still remember it. It was a very exciting time, and there was a big crowd there. I think it was at Belmont Sports Ground, and it was a massive crowd. Yeah, well, I'll just let all the listeners know. Just about every club that you played for, I played for, and I had the opportunity <laughs> to play at Belmore as well. And uh, there's them. Old traditional grounds. There's nothing better, is there? Oh, unbelievable! You know, and um, you know, Redfern Oval was just one of the greatest grounds to play on. Even though when when it rained and got you know wet and muddy, it was still a great ground to play. The atmosphere was fantastic, and you just couldn't believe how good it was. I think that's what the game misses a little bit these days. Is you know, you know, crowds are. It's always good to have the big stadiums, but there's nothing like a good big crowd, you know, behind you. Yeah, no, there was a couple of them around back in the day. Mate, you scored 40 tries in your career. Uh, you scored your first one in your first starting game in round 10 against the Bears, winning 16-5. Can you remember that try or 40 tries, I certainly mate? do. Yeah. I do, re- I do remember that try because it came off of Steve more than the pass. So, uh, you know, he's and he was a great player, Steve, but I still, I still remember just running off a ball from him and, I think I scored beside the post. I, yeah, so sort of. Yes, you do remember some of those sort of things. But again, a long time ago. But yeah, it was pretty exciting to get on there and actually be a part of the first grey outfit. Yeah, especially mate, the Bulldogs back then. Well, I was just about to say the Bulldogs back then. They had a a great side. Uh, the Mortimers, uh, obviously the Hughes boys, Chris Anderson. And it was only a year later after you left they they won the premiership. So uh, they yeah. were building <laughs> towards something when you were there. Yeah, they did in 1984. They won the comp. I left them in 84. But, you know, I, I made the right move, Brownie. I, I, I looked at it across the board. They'd just signed Terry Lamb. They said that, you know, they offered me another contract and they said, look, you're probably not going to play where you'd like to be playing. Hmm. Um, and they still had they still had GB, Greg Brentnell there. And, you know, I thought, well, there's not much. I don't think I'm going to get a great opportunity here. So hmm. it was a bloke by the name of... Um, Gary Coyne, I don't know if you know him, Brownie. Yeah, um, yeah. He was he was an old South Sydney guy and a bloke in Newcastle called Mick Carlin. He was a hard nut in Newcastle. He rang me up and he said, mate, would you like to go to South Sydney? And I said, I'd love to. Mm. I said, I'd love to get an opportunity to go and play for South Sydney. It's a club that I've loved as a kid and as well as the Dragons. So there was two of them. It was either the Dragons or um, or South. And mm. I'm, I'm glad I went to South because it was a unbelievable experience mate just before we touch on your rabbitohs career uh the bullfrog uh, one of the greatest of all times uh, in terms <laughs> of managers and, and uh running a football club a great family club uh canterbury tell us a little bit about the bullfrog mate, he, he was a great guy the bullfrog he was a character as you know you got to be careful what you say you could tell some stories about him but i might get myself in trouble if i do <laughs> but uh when i first went down there funny enough brownie i lived with um Chris Anderson and his wife, Lynn, and obviously the, the relationship there is Lynn's, um, the bullfrog's daughter. That's right. So I got it. So I sort of got to know him a little bit, you know, inside the family as well. So Chris was a very, um, very, very quiet bloke. Like you, you couldn't get do out of him. So, you know, sometimes you feel a bit uncomfortable being in the house because he, he, he didn't know if you'd upset him or not because he was so bloody quiet. Yeah. He was that... a typical bush, typical bush boy, but. But the bullfrog, we'd he'd go away on trips away, Brownie, and he was part of the atmosphere, mate. He 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 was the mixer. Yeah, so, you know he was he was great value. He had his smoke and his scotch, and and he was right. <laughs> Not wrong. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like to stir him up. Don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, God, God rest his soul, mate. The, the, the yeah, great man, the wrong. bullfrog, mate. Yeah. Um, look, you, you found yourself at the bunnies in '84, mate. Um, tell us a bit about those. How it come about, and um, a bit about those first few weeks down at um, Redfin, mate. Yeah, as I said, I was I got a phone call from a bloke of coin and um, another bloke, Mick Carlin, as I said, and they asked me about the club, and I said, mate, I'd love to be there because it's it's a great club, and this is probably an opportunity I've got. I I knew that um, they were going to um, let Tony Melrose go, 
So I could see the door opening up as an opportunity to play 5-8. And uh, yeah, and when I went there, just we, I think we all, back in those days, we trained at Centennial Park originally and just all meet there and train. And I thought I was pretty fit, but I was never fit as Dave Boyle, I'll tell you. Yeah, how fit was he? Could, I could never catch him, I'll tell you. He still, he still <laughs> yeah, looks no, fit, Boyley. Oh, I'm real. I, you know, when you see him, he, he doesn't look too much different. Yet. Obviously, we're all ageing, but uh, he still looks as fit as a fiddle. Mate, 87 games for the Rabbitohs, 15 tries, 206 goals and 31 field goals, a point-scoring machine. Um, the, did you get the opportunity to play in the Charity Shield that year? Yeah, mate. The first year I was there, we played uh, the Dragons in 84 and we won it. We, we actually won that game uh, in 84. I'm pretty positive it was. Um, I tell you, there, there was a couple of halfbacks that day. There was a young kid from um, Canterbury-Bankstown that come across, Tony Davies. Yep. And, uh, and then the great Tugger uh, was also there as well. And um, he was just um, enormous. Tugger just went from strength to strength. Once he, once he got the taste of first grade or got into first grade, there was no holding him back. I, I still, he, still rate him as the most underrated player that I reckon, reckon I played with. Mm. I still think if he was in a different era, instead of uh, Sterling and Mortimer, he plays for Australia 10 times over. 100%. What were some of those great qualities that Tugger had, mate? Um, obviously, you were in the halves with him in those first couple of years, mate. He just knew where to go. He was, he was a player. You know, like everyone used to talk about, you know, Wally Lewis back as Wally Lewis came into the game about being a player ahead of things. That's what Tugger was great at. He was, you'd look at him and he was one player ahead of everyone and you, you could see that things were going to happen and, and they did. He, he just created things. His passing game was outstanding and for a little bloke, he was a bloody good defender. And a lot of people so, don't give him credit for that, Bakes. And I was just about to say the same thing if you didn't say it. Um, his defence was unbelievable. Um, head on, he used to pick him up and especially them cover tackles. Yeah, he was outstanding, mate. As I said, I, I still rate him the most underrated player that I played with and against. I, I don't think I ever played against Tugger, but definitely with. And um, as I said, in that era, if he if he doesn't have Sterling and Mortimer there, mm. he plays for Australia. And like you said, he went from strength to strength in 84 because George Longbottom started the season and then, then right. Tugger obviously got his opportunity yeah. and he never really gave it up, did he? No, no. Once he got in there and um, I think I – think, Ronnie really loved his, you know, style of play because he was a, he was a bit of a stir and he was tough and he was, you know, a niggler and he had that sort of um, will to win about him and I think that's what really loved, like, I think really really loved that style. Yeah. So, mate, yeah. Um, no. you just said you played the charity show, but you made your debut in round one in nineteen eighty four against the Magpies, and we won twenty to four, and you kicked six out of seven. Now tell yeah, us a little bit about game. that. Yep. Yeah, I remember that game. It was a. I got the opportunity, to, you know, got picked in first grade and I thought I'm not going to let this go. And I'm, as again, I'm not trying to talk myself up, but I just thought here's an opportunity to go and I've got to really do something right here. And, you know, I got that opportunity and it just all fell into place. And we, you know, to win your first game, it's a big thing. And, um, you know, South was, um, all, everyone in the press always kept saying South was just, a, you know, a make-up team. Well, they, they really weren't, you know, we just had that, you know, ability to keep going and like you just never give up. And to, to play your first first grade game, especially at Redfern Oval, and to have a decent game and, you know, kick a few goals, it was pretty exciting. Well, mate, that brings us into the next question. The supporters would have loved you after that performance. How did you find the supporters? Unbelievable. They, they, they were probably, um, you know, I used to have a bit of a fan club there, funny enough. There was a mob that used to follow me at Canterbury and uh, when I went across the south, they actually followed me over to South and they put the big sign up on the hill, you know, Baker's Fan Club or something like that. Oh, how good. To, yeah, I, I, I sort of – you remember all those sort of things and they, they sort of used to come to you after the game and, you know, you'd talk to them after the game and have a chat and, you know, because that's – if you don't have fans, mate, you don't have a game. So, and that's that's what it's all about. The old Hill Squad, mate, yeah, they're a great supporter group. They're the borough these days, but um, they're just as passionate <laughs> oh, these days as what they were back in the old days. There's a group of them that – they don't miss a game at all. It doesn't matter where it is. They'll be in Vegas. Don't worry about that. Yeah. They follow yeah, the team uh, far and wide. Look, you, you, you had, just looking at that, some of those players in 84. And um, look, South was during that mid to late 80s. It was built on a forward pack. Um, they had some tough, tough hombres, no doubt about it. Um, yeah. You mentioned Boyley, the, the Rampling Brothers, um, Absolute Beast, Mario, 
one of the toughest oh, yeah. um, players they ever put on a red and green jersey. Tell us a bit about those sort of blokes and Bundy, yeah, likes of Bundy's and Ian Roberts come come a bit later on. Yeah, well, it's funny. I, you probably know all these stories, Brownie, as well, but Bundy and um, the Rampling boys used to live together and I think it used to be a boxing house. They used to, <laughs> they, they used to come to train them and bark off them themselves and they used to say to them, you know, you'd laugh at them, you'd think they'd have the fight with someone out in the street. Yeah. <laughs> they were just having a spa with them themselves. They'd come to train them, you know, with skin off their knuckles and, you know, Busted eyebrows and all this sort of stuff, and mate, they just cracked me up. I couldn't believe it. But they were the they were the toughest, you know, forward pack going around. But you know, and I still believe, you know, guys like um, Mario. He's another one that I believe was very unlucky not to, you know, represent Australia um, on several occasions because there's no one that loved winning more than Mario Fennig. At, at a game when you'd lose, Mario would be sitting in the corner and you'd. People would think that he was having a bloody sulk, but he wasn't. He was just so disappointed mm. about losing the game because he's just a winner. He's a passionate. Yeah. yeah. He's passionate and he he wouldn't take the jumper off because he was that upset, you know, so that's yeah. what he was like. Mate, uh, there was a game in 1984. You just had a really, really good season and you end up making the semifinals. Uh, you made, had to win the last game and to make a playoff, you played the Raiders, you beat them. And you come to the semi-final against Manly now, mate. Uh, you were down fourteen nil, and tell us what happened then. Well, you know with that game, Brownie. I remember Ray Warren because, like, you watched the commentary of it, and um, Ray Warren said on the commentary they led fourteen nil after about eight minutes, and Ray Warren said they won't have enough numbers on the scoreboard uh, the way this game's going. This will be a cricket score. Yeah. Well, they packed the they packed the scrum down the in the left hand. I think it was a Churchill. Corner. I'm pretty sure it was the Clive Churchill corner, and the, obviously the old Henry call came out. <laughs> and next thing, you, and you knew what was going to happen then. And it was just Dean Dean Rampling unloaded on um, Glowhead Brian, uh, Glowhead Ryan from from Manly, yep. knocked him straight to the ground. I think I think Paul Vorton actually fell to the ground. I don't think he wanted to get <laughs> involved in it. I'm not I'm not having to go up fatty. Don't get me wrong, but he wasn't too keen on the fighting caper, but. Mate, the three of them, mate, Boyley, Les Davison, Dean Rampling, and, Ta- or, and four of them, Tony Rampling, just laid into them and, and then they had to face Mario. <laughs> it just, he'd take his jumper off and want to kill someone. Yeah. You know, and so they, honestly, and, you know, M- Melrose at that stage kicked three from three and then he had a kick right in front and as soon as he missed it, mate, everyone knew that they were gone. They mm. just seemed to have... They just seemed to welter, and uh, mate. And the, after they missed that kick, we just got a bit of a roll on, and um, they went to water. You know, they 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 didn't want to they didn't want to know about it. And I'm, I'm talking like Noel Clearly, I've got a lot of respect for mate. He probably touched the ball four four or five times in the second half of that game. Mm, so it definitely you know, unsettled them. Yeah, I just rattled them, and they just they didn't know what to do. And I think they were just more concerned about what's going to happen next. And, and that's how they just fell apart. Mate, he's obviously went on to win the game 22-18. But tell us about that Henry call um, by the Rampling Brothers. And it was used all the time. And we'll go. We'll talk always, about a game later. But uh, tell us a little bit about it. It was always used. It was something that they, obviously, the, um, the Rampling boys um, sort of inherited in themselves as far as um, the call went. And things went, not always, you know, you, you got to remember, not always it's going to work. But majority of times that when they called the Henry call and they started getting the, putting the knuckle into the team, <laughs> you knew if you got on top of them that they weren't coming back. And that that was a, a Henry was the biggest call I've ever heard, you know. <laughs> but it did it back it backfired on us a little bit when we played the drag, I'll tell you. And and I just want to talk a little bit about how the Henry call was named and, and it was after a trainer, Lionel Potter. Tell us a little bit about Lionel. He was he was a great bloke, wasn't he, Bakes? One of the best. Um, he was so genuine and he cared about everyone, Lionel. And um, I, I don't think you'll ever see another man like him. You know, he's one of those guys that didn't have a lot, but he wanted to give everything. So he was just fantastic for the club. And um, brilliant man. He studied the game. He was very articulate. He, he loved his NFL. So he got a lot of his ideas from the American sport over there. He brought them back. He had a lot of contacts yeah. over there in the NFL. Uh, he got us over into the San Francisco 49ers for a tour. But, yeah, very yeah. articulate. He was a very good skills man. 
Uh, yeah, he was. He's very, uh, very sorely missed, Lionel. He was, mate. And, you know, it, it, people don't know a lot about his background. You know, it's not like he was just, it was there for him, handed over to him. He, he had to work hard to get to what he did. And he yeah. did a great job with it. Mate, uh, the following year, 1985, uh, I mean, you made the semifinals that year. It was probably big expectations. The season didn't go to plan. You missed the semifinals. But you had a great year yourself because you were awarded the Dalian 5-8 of the year. Yeah, I was lucky enough to get that, mate. I, I had a, another decent season. Um, you know, again, it's, a t it's all about the team, mate. It's not about just one player. But, you know, I think that might have been uh, more in 86, uh, Brownie, wasn't it? That I got the five eight of the year. Oh geez, um, I got it wrong. Yeah, I think I think it was, mate. Anyway, it wasn't. Uh, it was a. We had a good. We had a reasonably good year. But you're right about eighty five. Unfortunately, in eighty five, there was a lot of things that went down that year, and and you probably know where I'm going with this. Um, Mario, unfortunately, lost his brother. Yeah. Um, and that was so sad. Just to, you know how it all happened, and uh, we're away on a um. Uh, country game we were playing in Belgium, I think it was at the time, and um, poor old Mario got the call the early hours of the morning that something had gone amiss at home, mm. um, and so that that rattled the place. And mate, we, we you, once you you're getting beat, you know, early in the season, you know, I think we were down about five or six games in a row. We hadn't won a game. It's it's pretty hard to come back in that competition like it like it was back then. Yeah, but um, but to you to the Dally M, yeah, in '86, I was fortunate enough to get that. You know, you, when your team's going really well, and you, you know, you're on, you're up the top, in the, in the, you know, top three or top, top four, which we were for the whole majority of the year, and and the top, if the team's winning, you, and you're going okay, well, you, the papers tend to lean towards you all the time. Mm. You know, not necessarily you're going to be the best player, but they seem just to say, oh, well, he's kicked four goals and scored a try, and well, he's got the three points. You know, what I mean. But I, I feel privileged that I, I won that award. And mm. I still got that stuck in the cabinet at home, Brownie. And yeah. every now and then I look at it and go, geez, where's the time gone? Yeah, definitely, mate. <laughs> you, yeah. you got a unique record from that season 86. I'm not sure if you even know this, but um, you kicked the most field goals in a season at Redfern Oval in 86. Nine field goals, Neil Baker. What about that? Yeah, yeah it's, it's funny. I think that year, the whole year there, uh, mate, I kicked, I think I kicked 20 that year. Yep. Um and and uh, there was a story in the paper the week before that I um, was online to break Eric Sims's record, and uh, mate, to even be mentioned in his in his um, depth was something quite thrilling. Um, but it turned out that I kicked the, the twenty field goals, but the twenty the twentieth field goal that I actually kicked was in the semi final, uh, and back in those days it only counted in club games. So you know, I'm sort of glad that I. I managed to kick 20 goals, 20 field goals, and and he kicked 20 that year as one year as well in a in a season. So, but to be a part of something like Eric Sims's record is pretty exciting. Mate, I was talking to a couple of your teammates leading into this interview, and they were very um, very proud of the way they used to win games on the back of your kicking game. That must be something that you're very uh, proud of. Yeah, Brownie, I, I work. Worked pretty hard on that, mate. I used to get to training, you know, pretty early before we started, and I used to practice a lot of kicking, you know, down in different corners so I could get to understand, especially at Redfern, so I could get to understanding how the ground used to, you know, work and different things. And I remember Tugger used to say to me, mate, you know, that corner down there to the right-hand corner where the hill part of the of the guys used to uh, sit at there, at, um, not not the hill on the scoreboard side, but that little hill down in the corner near the grandstand, mm. he used to call that Baker's Corner, Coleman did. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but I, yeah, something I worked on because, mate, it's like everything, Randy, you know yourself, you've got to have something that's going to make you better than others. Mm. And I thought that's something that I, I used to work on that regularly, mate, and um, to try and make myself a better sort of player in around that area. And I, I know back in the day, Willie, Willie was a big advocate of um, the kicking game, get it down the other end, get a point, get up the other end, you know, get yourself a point and, and don't come away with nothing. So that's where I probably were the field goals come into play for me. Mm. Willie was big on that. Get something down the other end. If you, even if you get one, just get one. Yeah, well, that's a so, little bit like Wayne Bennett these days, isn't it? You go down there yeah. and take away a point and it's better than nothing. That's right. You know, and, you know, you have a look at some of the games these days, you know, when you, you have a look at the scores, they, they've got the opportunity to kick a field goal, you know, and they, 
in the end, they're going golden points. Yeah, that's to try right. And win a game. So, mm. yeah. Mate, you just spoke about trying to better yourself uh, by doing a lot of extra work. You spent an off-season in the UK with the Salford City Reds, played 19 games over there in a short period of time, scored 11 tries. How did you find that experience? That was great. I, I really enjoyed going over there. It was a, a interest, very interesting experience. I was um, Unfortunately, I broke my thumb, which uh, that's why I had to cut my um, – Trip or didn't it was a fracture on the farm, but I had to cut my trip short. Mm. Um, but I really enjoyed um, the experience over there. It was a little bit different. I actually had a bloke, uh, Kevin Ashcross, was the coach, and he was um, a little bit different to what you're used to in back home. Um, he was more one of those guys who just bounced up through the forwards all the time, just kept going through the forwards, and you never really saw the ball get out wide. But when you did, you know that's where all the um, the opportunities came. But yeah, no, the great, great experience, mate. I really enjoyed it, and I, I think, you know, the, the guys these days they're so lucky that they can go over, you know, after their experience in Australia playing, in the in the Sydney competition, they can go over to um, England and play in the competition over there as well. It's, mm. it's a it's a great opportunity. Yeah, and I said earlier that we played at similar clubs, and I actually had three seasons over there at the Salford City Reds, and. What a club it was. The fans are passionate. Uh, the Willows, the ground, it's not there no more, but you would have had some great experiences there at the Willows. Yeah, I, I, as I said, it was um, – I've got I've got one of the um, guys that I – every now and then, not one of the players, but one of the supporters, he's funny enough, every now and then he'll send me something on Facebook to say, do you remember this? And I haven't got – I wish I had it on video, but it, he, he talks to me about this try that I scored over there. And, again, I'm not trying to be a big head here, but – Apparently, it's still rated as one of the best tries they've seen in the club for as long as they can remember. Oh, good stuff, mate. Yeah. That's great. How'd you handle the cold? Mate, I, I said to, to Kevin Ascross that that time, that's what that made me laugh. I said, Kevin, when's it going to snow? He said, please don't say that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> next thing you know, it snowed, mate. It never stopped, as you know. It doesn't stop for quite some time, mate. And it was freezing, you know. So, yeah. And the, the, back in those days, Brownie, you you remember, mate, the grounds would froze over. Yep. And Salford back in those grand days didn't have any heating under the ground. Mm. So you, you couldn't play. And what they used to say to you, just go out and have a trip around, have a look around the country. Yep. So we we spent a bit of time. Because Melrose, um, I was, um, Tony Melrose and I were brother-in-laws. Did you know that? No. Yeah, him and I were brother-in-laws for quite some time. And, um, yeah, so he came over and spent some time with us and, um we did a bit of travelling around the country and uh, down to Wales and at Scotland and all those sort of places while we the ground was frozen. I think we had six weeks off before yeah. we could play again. Mate, great opportunities. It was good. He was a talent, Tony yeah. Melrose, mate. Very, very talented. He played Union as well, didn't he? He was a great player. He, he, he probably, to me, I reckon he was a better rugby union player, but that's only hearsay from myself. But I think he was in that great Australian schoolboy side. Was was he possibly with Wally Lewis in that? Same, he, same year? He was. Yeah, yeah that was yeah, an was unbelievable rugby, Australian rugby union side, that one, yeah. Yeah, um, he was in that. Yeah. Mate, um, you, you sort of, your time was coming to the end there at the Bunnies, but you got to um, have a year with one of the great rugby league minds. I know me and Brownie have got big raps on him, um, and he's doing great things at the Bulldogs. Phil Gould, mate, what are your memories of playing with Phil? He sort of was a bit of a, sort of like, Helping out George and all that in that '86 year. Yeah, I, Phil was a. Oh, there's no doubt Phil's. A, he's a one of the greatest brains in the game. Um, again, he was a bit like when what I said about Tugger. You know, he's one of those guys that could see what was happening probably two or three plays ahead of himself. And um, he, he was always um, saying to me a few times in the field. I remember him saying a few times to me on the field, "Get get on, get on my left shoulder. Here. I'm gonna. There's a hole here. And blah blah blah." And, Sure enough, it happened to be, and now he, he was very knowledgeable. And um, well, you can obviously see where he is in the game these days. He's um, pretty smart, and he was never ever going to go backwards. I, I, I was I was very surprised that he didn't end up come back and being part of the South Sydney coaching staff back in because he he loved being where he was there at South. I know he loved the club, but he ended up getting a gig at Canterbury, as we know, and um, the rest is history. Yeah, and he's done. He won a won a comp a year later, didn't he? Yeah, well, I think he did, mate. And then he just went on a, a run of winning premierships at whatever club he went to, uh, yeah, the Penrith Panthers. And obviously he did a lot of work up there with the junior development and the pathway system at the Panthers. He's put him in good place. And, look, uh, people can bag him, but 
I'm like you, Bugs. I think he's one of the, got one of the smartest brains in rugby league still today. But yeah. I remember. Oh, not not only that, mate. He's pretty smart everywhere else. He's not just a football brain. He's a pretty smart character, and you, you know, not not a lot of people realise that. And he did come from a pretty fair background. With I think his dad was the number one police commissioner, wasn't he, back in the day, or high up in the police force. So, mm. so he, he obviously um, come from a good background. Mate, speaking of great tries. Uh, there's a one on YouTube that you scored off a pass from Phil Gould uh, at Redfern Oval. You put a little chip over and regathered. What a try that was! Yeah, mate, I really enjoyed that, and probably I, I really, you know, when you look at it back in time, you know, you look at Ray Warren commentary. He makes me laugh because, um, you know, you, there was a big. I think it was a capacity crowd there that day, and um, when I scored, he said, and they're cheering from the rooftops here. And when you, when the cameras went around to the roof, there was two people sitting on the roof. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was too. And, and I it just made me laugh, you know. Every now and then, you know, mate, I don't, I don't mind saying. Every now and then, you when you're sitting at home bored doing nothing, you, you you might flick on a game, you know. You, you, you play just to see, have a look at a few old memories. Yeah, it's so great, mate. I think, I think, I think we, I think we all do it. Yeah, no, definitely, and um, it's something that you should be proud of, and everyone that plays the game should be proud of uh, their feats that they achieved. And um, another person we just want to touch on is George Pickens, who's uh, not doing too well at the moment. Just tell us a little bit about George Pickens and your relationship with him. Yeah, well, George is, um, he was pretty straightforward, George. And, you know, like I've, I had a great, uh, I wouldn't say a great um, relationship with George, but I, had, um, I, I totally understood what he was saying to me about my game, you know, and um, I was very uh, conscious of a lot of the things that he used to say to me. And one was, you know, Brownie, his defence. You know, I had to concentrate a little bit more on defence and he was a bit worried about that sort of in my game. But he, he just said to me, my biggest problem is you worry too much. Stop worrying. Mm. You worry. Stop worrying. You've got to stop worrying. And he, he got that out of me a few times. And But, you know, I think everyone that knows me back in those days, if I if I get on the ground and kick two two goals straight up, my confidence is through the roof. If I if I miss those two goals, I'm gonna be worrying. Yeah. And that's and that's that's what George used to say to me, the biggest problem you had. And I never forget the day he took me off the field at um Sydney Creek round. We played um Canterbury in a semi final and um we had um two penalties straight away. Firstly the first one was a penalty right in front and I missed it. The second one and I kicked it dead. So then Terry Lamb kicked the um, ball out on the full from the dropout. And so I got a kick right in front again. And Ray Warren, I remember Ray Warren saying, well, he won't miss this one. I missed it. That was it. <laughs> I, was, I, was a, I was a shot duck. You were so, a shot duck, yeah. So, um, you know, I lasted probably another 40, probably 25, 30 minutes in the game. And um, George, when he came over to me and he said, Bakes, he said, I'm going to have to replace you. He said, mate, you, you're not good. And I said, fair enough. So, you know, and he was only telling call a spade a spade, and that's how it is, mate. You had to cop it sweet. Mm. It was an important yeah. role back in the day, Gold King, because the scores weren't as big as what they were today. You know what I mean? So no. every goal that you kick was important, and the balls weren't as good. Um, no. For you to... That's your, the thing, your, yeah. The, your the, strike the rate. Ball. Yeah. Yeah, you had a, yeah, you had a fair happy, strike rate, I was rate, happy mate. with that. Yeah, I was happy because um, people don't realise those level balls, you know, like that, they were like kicking when they were wet. They were like kicking rocks, mate. You know, and um, you just you, if you did if you get a kick from the sideline, you know, and got it over, it was a bonus. Yeah. So, but that that day we played Canterbury at the Sydney Cricket Ground. That there was a thirty five. There was thirty degrees that day, so I had no excuses about wet football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it, mate. Yeah. Uh, we just spoke about uh, George Pickens. I want to talk about another George, which was popular. Back in the day, the George Hotel. Did you get your opportunity to go to the George Hotel? Full of colourful characters. I got there a few times, mate. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> probably not going to say too much about it. Yeah. <laughs> mate, it, was, uh, it was a great establishment. Um, the likes right. of... You can, you, you're allowed to say... You, Brownie, you probably can say what you can say, mate. But yeah. I'll, I'll just keep, keep it a bit quiet. Okay, mate. quiet. No. <laughs> it was, look, it was, it was a great pub uh, on a Saturday. Everybody used to get there and have a bet and have, oh. have, a, have a beer and... Um, the likes yeah. of Rick Montgomery and Tugger was there, and um, but yeah, no, it was a really good crowd, and they all just made passionate South Sydney people. Oh, m magnificent! Yeah, you know, that's what it is. You'd walk in there, you feel like you were the prime minister, you know. So everyone, every, you felt like royalty. You know, it was great. And but you may, 
You made me laugh then, mate. You bring up a bit of a character, Ricky Montgomery. He was a character. Yeah, no, certainly is. <laughs> still around. Still around, mate. Still, still around. Sunbaking around. Rick. Yeah, we see him. So he got Rick. a great tan on him, Rick. Yeah, we see him all the he time. He wouldn't have gone there anymore, though, would he? No, no. <laughs> yeah, he's still got it. Did you, did you believe it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's a good man, no, Rick. And like Chap said, we see him all the time. He he's always down Coogee having a train, and uh, yeah, no, he's a good man, um, Rick. Mate, he could play a bit too. Don't worry, he was a good player. You know, he had a bit of skill. So the hooker there for for a while, wasn't he, mate? Um, eighty seven yeah. wasn't yeah. a year. You got a lot of um, a lot of um, games in the ball. What happened there, mate? Yeah, must have had some injuries. Yeah, mate, I got hurt. I we played Parramatta at Redfern, and um, Sterling, Peter Sterling, actually tackled me and. Um, I did crack went in my uh, right leg, and uh, so yeah, snapped my medial ligament. So that back in those days, uh, you had to have an operation on it. As as you know, these days they just don't do medial ligaments anymore. They just you just put them in a bit of a, um, I think it's just uh, in a sling type of thing. But back in those days, you had to have an operation on a on a on a medial. Mm. Um, it's very similar to a cruciate, but you know medial. So I was out for about eight weeks. And um, and got back, but they were on a South were on a winning streak then, and it's pretty hard to come back into a winning side. Even though George came up to me a few times, he said, "Mate, you know, you're knocking on the door. You're there." He said, "But while we're winning, it's going to be hard for me to put you in there." And I understand all that, and that's that's what coaching's all about. And but then I got the opportunity to come back. You know, I think um, about four five games before the year finished, um, I got back in there and. I think one thing I will say about George in '87, he um, even though that I was I was leaving to go to another club, he he, he gave me the opportunity to finish on the field. Um, we played, I think we played Balmain at at the Sydney Football Stadium. I think that was, and uh, he gave me the opportunity to go on. It might have been Cam- Canberra, actually, it might have been Canberra, and uh, he put me on the field just to say, you know, you can finish at least you finish the, the game in first grade on the field. Yeah, so I, I really appreciate that. Oh, that's good, mate. And I was just said we've spoke about a couple of these players uh, just earlier, Mario and Les Davidson, but their other front row partner, Ian Roberts, mate, a young bloke coming through, a local junior. Tell us a little bit about Ian. Well, another bloke that you you couldn't imagine how fit he was. You know, he was just amazing fitness. I thought I thought Dave Boyle was, you know, a machine, but this guy was just unbelievable. They used to go over the Moor Park Hills there, you know, and you obviously guys know where they they were and run up and down those hills about twenty times and not even get a sweat up. Mm. You know, the likes of us, we were nearly dying doing those ones. But he, he you could always tell he was going to be something. And um as tough as nails and there's a certain bloke that played for Balmain would probably wish he never ever said anything he mm. said to him, but um mate, that's the sort of bloke that Ian was. He was a just a hard footballer, but you know, if you upset him, mate, you'd have to watch himself because um he certainly could hold his hands up as well, mate. So yeah, no, he's still but he, fit. But he, yeah, he's a lot, he, and a really nice bloke, man, Robert. You know, one of the nicest blokes you could probably meet. You know, and and you know, he's one of those guys that um, he, he probably um, again he wouldn't even probably you'd know he played rugby league if he was talking to him these days. Yeah, no, mate, he's still as fit as anything. He still looks well, and like you said, he's a champion yeah. fella, mate. I'm just going to go back best. to. Uh, the Moor Park Hills, what you just spoke about before, and Ian Roberts used to bolt up and down him. And there was one player there, and you'll probably know this story, Dave Cruikshank used to hide up the top and he'd say, <laughs> let me know when it's the last one because I'll run down back with you. Yeah, he did. Dave, he, he didn't like training much, Dave. <laughs> no, no, was, but they were hard, mate. They were, that, that was hard training, and especially, you know, when you're training in the, you know, the off-season and the heat and things like that, that they were pretty tough days, those days. Uh, and, and we probably got to give it a lot more credit than what we do because um, we were probably the fittest team, especially through them late 80s period, uh, thanks to the, yep. the likes of Bobby Jimmon, Lionel Potter. Yep, yep. Bobby Jimmon, I remember him coming into the club and talking to us and he got he whipped them into shape. They had, do you remember Steve Coleman? Did you remember Steve when he was there? He was... Steve was an ex-copper and he, he worked under Ron Willie for a bit. He was a bit the same. Mm. Um, but obviously the game was yeah, changing as, as as time went on. And um, Bobby Jimman, he was just enormous. Mm. He was crazy. I remember going with him and um, Mario and um, Jeff Fennick one day to um, over the – I'm trying to think of the ground, mate. You, you'd know better than I would. It's, 
we're, we're over near where the, the centre of excellence is these days. Oh, yeah, um, front, yeah. Over, yeah, over there somewhere. And um, I was with Jeff and Mario and, um, and Bobby Jimmin and, mate, I nearly died. And I thought I was pretty fit. Mate, they were doing all these four forties and you know two hundreds and everything like that, and then they got the boxing pads out, and I'm going, oh fuck! Oh, excuse me, excuse the French, but anyway, <laughs> right, mate. But, mate, I tell you what, he killed me. And yeah. I thought, as I said, I thought I was reasonably fit, but yeah, mate, he was a machine, Bobby. Yeah, just back on Ian Roberts here. I think we interviewed him a few years ago, and um, he went over to England. I think on a maybe a one or two day rest. Come off the bench and did fifty nine tackles yeah. off the bench. For Wigan, on two, I think only on a, only been there a day or two. For Wigan, it was yeah, that's right, <laughs> and that was in an off season. So that's the sort of athlete he was um, of the likes that I don't think we've seen at South Sydney come through as a junior and do that in the front row to this day. Um, no, I, I he's either, just mate. just a special, a really special talent, and probably doesn't get spoken about enough um, in the modern day, to be honest. No, mate, I, I don't think there's going to be – there wouldn't be too many Ian Robertsons around these days, mate, like him. Just He was a machine. I think um, you, you could be credited for a few try assists off the bomb. He used to love going up and grabbing some of your bombs, mate, yeah. and uh, spinning around for yeah. a try, mate. Uh, I've got fond memories of that. The big blobs used to love that too, Billy Hardy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Billy Hardy. Yeah. Yep. He, was a, he, was a, he was unreal. But Billy, was he, his background was Aussie Rules. Everyone doesn't know that. He had a bit of Aussie Rules background. Oh, wow. In the bush and, um, yeah, and, uh, mate, he could kick a ball as well. And But you'd put the bomb up and, mate, that you're talking about back at that uh, Sydney Greer Grand game when we got beat, we were getting beat 14-0. Billy scored the first try off one of my bombs and he went up over the top of Melrose and, you know, like he, he was probably another foot above his head, you know. Yeah. I, think he, I think he <laughs> scored two tries that day, didn't he, baby? Could have scored the third think, one as well, but... um. Yeah, 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 he's probably another person we don't probably mention enough on the podcast there, mate. Um, look, he's yeah, a character, Blobs. Yeah, like, like um, we said a bit earlier, you, you, you played the same clubs as Brownie, the Dogs, the Rabbits, Salford, but you finished up at Penrith. Um, Brownie played some pretty good footy there, mate, but looks like you played some pretty good footy there, mate. Had a really good win percentage, played semi-final football both times and got to link up with the yeah. great Ron Willie again. So the reason why I went there is... Um, you know, I don't know if you remember this, Brownie. Um, Ron was going to get the coaching job at Newcastle mm. in 1988 when they come into the comp. And me being in Newcastle, well, I got a phone call probably a third, third or three quarters of the way, sorry, halfway through the year that year in in '87, saying um, we want you to come home. We want to. We want Ian Barclay to come home. We want uh, Paul Grob to come home and and start a you know back as a um, ignorable part of Newcastle club. Mm. So really looked like, and Ron Willie looked like being the coach. And so I went to um, Terry Parker at the time and asked him if I, you know, because I, I was still under contract at South Sydney. Um, and I asked him if the opportunity to go home and he said, mate, absolutely, I wouldn't stop you. Um, and then Ron Willie didn't get the job, but Alan McMahon got the job. And I don't mind saying the money that uh, I was getting offered back in the day when if Ron would have got the job was a hell of a lot more than what Alan McMahon was offering yep. because he was more, he wanted more forwards. He didn't mm. want backs. He wanted forwards. Mm. So then Ron said to me, have you signed there yet? And I said, no, well, I said, he said, well, I'm going to Penrith and I can um, look after you there if you, if you wish. And so I ended up going to Penrith mm. and following him there. And as much as I, uh, I love the, the game, it's probably, you know, we all make mistakes. I probably should have went home. It mm. probably would have been, the best thing I ever did if I did go home because being a part of, you know, the, the experience of being at Newcastle coming into the competition and all that. But back those days, you, you, you're not thinking straight, you know what I mean? So you just, yeah. you're looking at, you're looking at um, trying to buy a house. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly, mate. And you want to try and get as much as you can out of the game because you don't play for too long. Mate, in saying that, you played 41 games for the Panthers, seven tries. Another goal-kicking um, extraordinaire, 115 goals, 14 field goals. But more importantly, you got the opportunity to play with some great players um, and they're a great club as well. Yeah. And another bloke um, that you'd, you'd rate highly in, in, the mod, in the modern game these days is Greg Alexander. Yeah. I reckon, you know, you, you, back in those days, he was just unbelievable. He's another athlete, similar to Ian Roberts. Um, you, you used to go on these... Um, 5k runs and and brandy would be knocking them over in 21 minutes 
You know what I mean? Like, that's how fit he was. He was just a machine. He was, and um, and a great footballer as well. And um, you could always see that he was going to be um, up there with the greats as as time went by. And um, and they obviously had a great leader in Roy Simmons. And you know, I hope Royce is doing okay at the moment because he's doing it a bit tough mm. with um, a little bit of dementia. But he was another guy that there was no there was no um, Shit in Royce, he, everyone that was on that field was a team part, a part of the team. You know, there was everyone went out there and put that jumper on. That was what they were doing. You, you were playing for Penrith, and there was um, that's what it was about. It was a team. It was a team game. Mm, no, definitely, mate. And the couple of players that you just mentioned in Royce, I had the opportunity. He was my coach when I was out there, and Brandy actually yeah. came back and finished his career after going to the Auckland Warriors. He came back and. Had yeah. a couple of years at Penrith, so and I know exactly what you're saying about Brandy. He was a very classy player. He, he used to be a yeah. steps ahead of everyone. But and it was only a couple of years later after you left, they went on to win the premiership again. Yeah, you have to keep reminding me of that, Danny. <laughs> Mate, it happened to me too. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Mate, it's funny you should say it because it was brought up a few times back in the day with. Friends of mine said, "Geez, you left Canterbury, they won the comp. You left South, they won the comp." Mate, I always, I always no, say, no, "Well, I, I set it up for him." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you put things but in yeah, place no, for him. Yeah, but they were building there, as you know. They, they had a you know young forward pack, um, Cartwright, Dyer, you know, mm. Vanderbilt, those sort of guys, and then you had the hardhead Peter Kelly, who was, you know, he was really tough nut. So, yeah, good yeah. Kelly, yeah. They're a great club, Penrith, and, and obviously they've been in four grand finals, won the last three. They're not going anywhere, yeah. so they're going to be a formidable opponent for the rest of the competition, the other 16 teams going forward. Mate, looks like you, you pulled the pin in 89, mate. You knew it was time, yeah? Yeah, look, I, I had another year to go on my contract there at Penrith, um, and I just um, I just felt like I was, it was time to go, you know, and... Um, and I had a couple of offers to go back home and coach. And I thought, you know what, I wouldn't mind going back coaching and doing it while I can and being able to play as, as well. So I spoke to uh, Ron at the time. And um, I also spoke to Ross Gig. You remember Ross Gig? Yep. Brownie? Yeah, mate. Uh, and he said, no problems. Um, if you want to go, you're more than welcome. You know, and obviously, you know, you, you're letting go a bit of money. But also, you, I had the opportunity to go back to uh, a good job that I already had working in Sydney with and they transferred me back there. So the opportunity was good for me to do it at the time. And the Newcastle comp um, was pretty strong in those early 90s, yeah? Yeah, it was. Um, we were fortunate enough to win uh, the grand final in 92, undefeated. We won the Clayton's Cup. You know, that's a, something that I'm pretty proud of. And we had a, a crack at side. We had like a bloke in the side called Darren Tracy. You guys remember him? Yep. He was a bit of a... Bit of a try-scoring machine for us that year. He scored 33 tries in one season. Wow. And, um, mate, he was just – he was big and strong and, you know, no one could handle him. And, um, you know, when you when, when you win a grand final at 6-0 at half time, and you go out there and get the second half and beat him 33-0, mm. that's pretty special to me, and especially winning the Clayton's, the Clayton's Cup as well, you know. So no one's ever done that in Newcastle. So I felt pretty proud about that. Just on Darren Tracy, I think he might have had a spell at Salford as well. He did. He had a spell at Salford and, uh, mate, he had, I think he went from Newcastle, went into Newcastle. I had a little bit, a little bit to do with him to get into Newcastle. Tinchy was, uh, uh, sorry, uh, David Waite was the coach. Mm. And uh, David said, mate, if he comes over, he's got to play in the back row. And I said, mate, he'll play anywhere just to get a start because mm. he's big and strong. And then um, then Super League hit, mate, as you know, and um, the rest is history for Darren. Yeah, no, definitely. Mate, yeah. did, you, did you play as well or were you only coach when yeah, you went mate. back there? No, I played as well. I played for uh, three seasons, and um, yeah, and then I gave it away and um, just did a bit of coach for the last year, as, just as a coach. Mm. And then I went into the night system for a, a few years, and but it was just um, with work and everything, it was just too hard. Unless you were going to take it on full time, um, and I really didn't know if I wanted to do a full time gig in coaching and things like that. Mm. So I just give it all away. Yeah, it's a long road. Um... It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah, to start and continue it on. But, mate, um, you had a, a wonderful career. Uh, through what we just spoke about at a couple of clubs. You got to play with a lot of good players, coached by a lot of great coaches. Mate, have you have you got a player that you classify the greatest that you've played with? 
Only one. Yep. Mario. Yep. Yeah, Mario Fennec, mate. He's uh, it sticks out in my head all the time. As in, when I say the greatest, he wouldn't be the greatest, but he's the greatest competitor. Hundred percent. So, so he's the guy that always stands out in my head. Um, just he was just as I said back in the early part of the conversation. If he got beat, he went nowhere near Mario because he he couldn't <laughs> yeah. talk to him anyway. Yeah. He'd sit in the corner with his hands on his head and couldn't shake it. Yeah, and that's what he did, didn't he? He sat he sat yeah, on he the did. ground. He didn't sit on the bench, yeah. he sat on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. But then if you then if you again, mate, if and I'm not trying to um make myself sound silly here, but if you again I'll go back to Craig Tugger, Coleman. Yeah. yeah. Um he was a just as I said, if he was in a different era, he plays for Australia. Mm. So he was a good he was great to play with on the field and he was pretty inspiration as well. He was one of those guys that, you know, did a lot of talking, a lot of barking. And mate, you you listened to what he was saying because he knew what what he was saying was exactly what was going to happen. Oh, well, and he's obviously well a great teammate too, Doug, more importantly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right, mate. That was well and, said you know, about both employees. Yeah. And I know where you got there in, in coaching, uh Brownie, I saw that in the in the thing there about coaching, mate. Uh as in being coached. Um I had great coaches through my career in Sydney, hmm. but the most uh, greatest opportunity I had to get to get down to the big smoke was under a coach called Peter Howlett. And if you want to Google him, he played for New South Wales back in the day from the from the bush, and he was my first coach for a couple of years in uh, rugby league in South New at South Newcastle. Yeah. And he actually pulled me out of the under 17s to say to me. You're wasting your time playing under 19s next year because back there it was like 17s, then up to 19s, and you had to play two years in 19s. Mm. And he said, "Mate, come up to grade." He said, you, "He said you you got the opportunity here." He said, um, "And we believe that you can make it." So he was pretty well spot on what he said to me, and uh, he also was a great help to me as a player, and not only that as a mentor, mm. he was great. He's still. Yeah, okay, well, we'll have a look at him um, for sure, mate. Um, mate, today's game, um, it's, it's comp- wouldn't say it's a completely different game, it's still, um, you know, it's still a simple game. If you get the, if you get the small things right and um, you defend, defend your way to a victory, it's just not too much different to when you played. But um, do you watch it much these days? Uh, what are your thoughts on, on the current game, the state of the game? Yeah, mate, I, I, I obviously watch it because um, I love the game. The game's totally different, obviously, to when, when I say totally different, it's not. It, but the way they play it these days, they play out, lot out the back all the time, as you know, where before you used to take three or four forwards barging it up. But now, you know, it's very, they still do a few hit ups, but it's more out the back and they're looking for the holes everywhere. Mm. Um, but I, I still look at the, the guys that play the game today. They're athletes they're, and they're fantastic. You have a look at the tries that some of these guys score. There's no way in the world we would have been able to score them back in the 70s and 80s. Mm. Um, they're just they're just amazing athletes. Yeah. And um, yeah, you know, you have, you have a look at um, Ross Harrington, for instance, Brownie. Yeah. Big, big Ross when he ran over the top of um, Gary, Gary Worth. Um, Gary Worth. He knocked him <laughs> unconscious to get yeah. the try. Back in the these days, they 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 jump over the top of Gary Worth. They wouldn't have to. They wouldn't have to. Um, run over the top of him, they jump over the top of him. Yeah, no, definitely. That's what they, that's what they were like, mate. They, 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 I'll never forget that day they were Ross Harrington. Poor old Gary. I think that's the best Maybe. rule that the NRL has ever made a yeah. change, the, the change of that rule of hitting the corner post. Um, I thought that totally was agree. outstanding. And yeah, um, totally to, 2014, agree, the, the Bunnies were lucky enough to um, come out with a grand final win. Uh, obviously, a 43-year drought was broken, mate. Um where did you watch that one, mate? Did you watch that with some family and friends? I did, mate. I watched it at home. It, uh, oh, it was actually the mate's place at, um, down in Merriweather, just watching it there. And, uh, yeah, pretty exciting. And, uh, obviously, they played the Bulldogs. And, um, but, yeah, pretty exciting. And, um, mate, they had, they had a great side. And, mate, not, nothing better than Burgess. Um, very similar to the John Sattler uh, era with a broken jaw it's unbelievable how, how we got through that game especially in the modern game you know when you're talking about broken jaws it's unbelievable how we got through that and he was just amazing yeah they talk about tough players and how tough it was in the 60s and 70s i reckon this 
he's one bloke that probably would have made it back in those days, Sam Burgess, toughness-wise. Oh, yeah, mate. No no risk. No risk. Yep. Very heroic, yep. mate. Uh, what are you up to these days, Bakes? Mate, still working. Um, I work for a company called uh, WeatherTex. It's a, it's a building company. I've been in the same industry for as long as I can remember, mate. I don't really think about retiring, Brownie, because, you know, I can, you know, you can if you want to, but I, you know, enjoy what I do. And um, it's not like I'm digging holes and things like that. It's, it's out in the road talking to people and all that sort of stuff. So it's pretty good. And my boss, um, his name's Jason O'Hagan. You wouldn't believe, but he's a mad Rabbitoh supporter, so that's even better. Oh, hey, that's unbelievable. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, yeah, mate, he loves the Rabbits. He grew up, uh, he lives on the Gold Coast, and he grew up following the Rabbits all, all his life. And, um, yeah, so he, we, we, for, we're we fortunate enough, he, every now and then he'll grab hold of me and he'll bring me down to the to Brisbane and uh, take me to a game with the Rabbitohs are playing and put me up there for a couple of days and, you know, we'll go and watch the game and things like that. I went there last year, actually, it was, a great day too because they actually beat the Broncos pretty easy too that day. Mm. This year, I should say, not last year, this year. Mate, uh, you attended the old boys do, I believe, the last one. Chaps and I were in Hawaii. We couldn't make it. Uh, but just on the old boys, uh, it's a good concept, isn't it? Oh, fantastic. And, you know, like that's probably, again, you know, I've got to be, be honest, I'm probably a little bit... Uh, Die when it comes to that sort of thing, I, I don't know what it what it is, but I sort of tend to sort of shy away from those sort of things, and I don't know why. But mm. um, I went down to that one last this year and got on the ground, and I just couldn't believe the, the experience of feeling just around all the old players and all that sort of stuff. And I was actually chatting to Dave Boyle, you know, and he said, "How good is this?" And I said, "You're not wrong." Mm. And he and I said, "This is you know amazing being part of this." And you know, then when you go over to the area when the players run around the field, you. You, feel, you actually feel like you're playing the game. Yeah, it's good. You, you, yeah, no, it's a, it's a great experience. So got to start making a bit more of an effort to get down there, Brownie. Yeah, no, definitely, mate. And uh, the old boys and Steve McDermott, Sean Garlick, they're doing a tremendous job. Shannon Donata, we have a number yep. of events throughout the year. And our next one is the Christmas party. I don't know whether you know about that one, but the Christmas party. Yeah. Um, yeah. It'll I'm, be a good one I've to get that, to. Mate. I'm going to try and get to it. Um, and, yeah, I had a good chat to um, – you know, Shannon and also had a, you know, good good chat to Macker and all that. And he says, mate, folks, you've got to make a bit more of an effort and get out here. And I said, yeah, I will. Yeah. Uh, it's, and then I, I was talking to Garlo and made had a good long conversation with his dad as well. His dad's a fantastic bloke. Yeah, Terry. Yeah. His father. Oh, what a great bloke. Yeah, he's that's funny. The... He's a He's the funny as the circus. <laughs> <laughs> mate, that's good. That, uh, if you can make the effort, that, that'd be good, mate, because we'd love to see you down there. Uh, yeah, no, good on you, mate. Mate, and I know a lot of your spare time has been taken up over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, mate. I've just uh, been fortunate enough. Both my uh, my daughter had a baby girl about 10 to 12 weeks ago, uh, and my son's wife just had a baby boy about eight weeks ago. So I'm on the Gold Coast right now down here with, with my wife visiting uh, my family. So, yeah, pretty exciting, mate. Mate, congratulations, and I wish all the family all the best. Thanks, Brownie. I really appreciate you giving me the time today to talk, mate. It means yeah, a lot to me. And congratulations on behalf of all the South fans, mate, from myself, buddy, and everyone here at Rabbitohs Radio Podcast. We're in our fifth or sixth year, mate. We're going to continue on. We're lucky enough to get someone like yourself, a real legend of the club, mate. Um, thank you for joining us on Rabbitohs Radio Podcast, Bakes. I really appreciate it. And as I said, I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to have a chat. Uh, we enjoyed it, mate. Thanks for your time. Okay. Take care, guys. Thank you. Cheers, Bucks. Thanks, Bucks. Bye. Well, there you go, Brownie. Um, another legend. Another another great South Sydney player on the podcast. And this is what it's all about. It's not, you know, it's not all about getting the, the latest, greatest players. I mean, our top 30 at the moment. Um, it's about recognising the past and... Some of them stories, um, the George Hotel, Redfin Oval, even talking about the Canterbury Bulldogs and Bullfrog. Um, that, that's that's what rugby league's all about, mate. Well, not many people would have heard that story, chaps, from Neil Baker, who came from Newcastle, hailed down um, at a young age and obviously took up an opportunity to play at the Bulldogs, but made his way to the Rabbitohs, and that's where the club that he really liked and he really loved. And some of the stories that he told us, about the South Sydney Rabbitohs, Redfern Oval, the supporters, Ron Woolley, George Piggins, uh, it was all there. And that, they're untold stories then. What about scoring 138 on Dubuque for New South Wales and never getting another gig again? Yeah, how good was that? 
Hey, and, and talking about stats, he, he was not bad himself, chaps. Um, 172 games, like we said. Uh, the most important one, I believe, is the 336 goals. He was a goal-kicking freak, mm. especially with that ball, the toe leather poker. ball, yeah. toe poker. Um, he had a really good strike rate. Like I said, in his first game, he kicked six out of seven, and that never happened back in the day. We had a couple of them. Eric Sims was another one. Uh, Mark Ellison was a toe poker as well. I was a toe poker myself, but I tell you what, I didn't kick 336 goals there. <laughs> no. Um, we looked at your strike rate in Southfield. It wasn't, wasn't too good. <laughs> but um, look, just uh, I was looking at some of the records at Redfin Oval, which is, look, they're never going to be broken because we don't play there anymore. But um, Eric Sims, most points at Redfin Oval, 591. The great Eric Sims. Second, uh, Bernie Purcell from the 50s. He was a forward, goal-kicking forward who held the South point-scoring record until Ecker took it over. And third on that list, um, Neil Baker, 255 points, so that's that can never be broken. Their third all-time on the Redfern um, point-scoring list. Um, well, and, and a bloke he, he mentioned as well, um, Tony Melrose was there too. Oh, good on your bikes. Uh, you're on the record books, mate, and what a career he had, mate. And, uh, yeah, we really thank him for giving us his time while he's on the Gold Coast up there seeing his grandchildren. So uh, thanks, bikes, and uh, really appreciate it, mate. Yep, we'd like to thank all our sponsors on the podcast. They're all coming back next year. We've got that one or two others to jump on board. Uh, we're going to do a few episodes leading into Christmas, try and do one every single week. And uh, that was the interview episode of Rabbitohs Radio Podcast. Up the mighty Rabbitohs. Up the Rabbitohs. Up the Rabbitohs.